0: This episode is brought to you by our free FlexGuide eBook. Give your application for flexible working the best chance of success with our nine easy steps to follow and information about your entitlements. Go to our website, www.thejuggle.com.au forward slash FlexGuide and download the guide now.
1: If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lilovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies
0: and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast.
1: Hi everyone, this is Joel Lilovich. And Lucy Dickens, welcome back to the Juggle Podcast.
0: Today we are going to talk a little bit about careers. Something that often can get pushed to the side a little bit after we have kids, or perhaps it just completely gets
1: upended after we have kids. We might stop our career for a little while. We might go and find a new one. Or we might do the opposite and we might have a new drive and interest and passion for what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think is sort of what happened to me
0: after having three kids. (laughs) It took a (laughs) little while. Maybe it was knowing that I'd finished having children and it was like, right, I've done that part of my life. And now I'm interested in seeing what's next. And of course it coincided with making a move down South and me starting a business, which was something that I'd always had a bit of an inkling to do. But I think especially in the legal career, there is a very clear ladder to follow. And I was on it.
1: And I it yes. would
0: have been really easy to just stay on it.
1: Oh, well, yeah, that definitely would have been the easier path than what you chose to (laughs) do. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I think that having, after I had Lily, I had more confidence at work and I don't know quite why that was. Maybe I was just more sure of myself and my place in the world. But I also found that I wanted to be spending my time at work doing the things that I enjoyed. And I had Mm. not, I had no patience really for the little bits and pieces that I just did because no one else would do them or just did because I was there all the time um so I think that's probably how having children changed that for me so interesting because a lot of the times and and we talk about in the interview
0: today the fact that for some people having children makes them feel less confident about yeah. their career so that's yeah. an interesting reaction that you had
1: before we get into the interview today, in the interest of full disclosure, you can hear him right now. My little <laughs> Harry is not having a great day and he is a bit snuffly and so not sleeping for this episode. So you'll hear a little bit of that in the background. So that's what's going on if, you, if you're if you wondering what are those strange noises. <laughs> if you
0: haven't heard him for a while, yeah. oh, I think it's lovely. But without further ado, we should pass you over to our guest. Today we have one of our members from our Juggle community, Anna Black, and she's been such a great support in that community that we really wanted to showcase some of her skill on the podcast and introduce you all to her. So Anna is a career counsellor, an ex-geophysicist, an amateur Latin dancer. Wouldn't that be lovely? She spent many years being successful in the corporate mining world before figuring out what was important to her and doing a bit of a a U-turn towards more meaningful work. She now guides other mid-career professionals through the process of self-discovery to create more fulfilling futures. She holds a Master of Career Development, has presented at two of the Career Development Association of Australia annual annual conferences, and also has had articles published on Thrive, Global and Mindshift.money. So enjoy.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Anna.
2: No problem. It's great to be here.
1: Now, thank you for being a very active member of our Juggle community. And in there, you're very generous with sharing your time and advice for our members. So thank you. And it's great to have you on here so we can share your expertise with some more people. Well, can you start by telling us exactly what it is that you do? What is career counselling? I work in the field of career development and really there's two
2: different um, kind of areas of the work. One area is helping people find jobs and get into the the careers that they want to get into and the other half that comes before that is really helping them figure out what they want to do and that's where I come in. So career counselling is really helping people dig through what they want, their preferences in terms of the type of work they want to do, what they're interested in, what motivates them. What environment they might want to work in, their values, all those things, and putting them together and figuring out, well, what's the best career path for them? What's going to be most satisfying and fulfilling in most cases?
0: How do you do that? Do you have a bunch of different tools that you use? Is it, you know, all psychological testing, or, or what is it?
2: Yeah, I do use tools. Um, I use a mixture of, um, you know, online assessments um, which help explore some of those things, but also counselling techniques to work through that with my clients one to one. And who do you find?
0: most goes for career counselling. Obviously now as a experienced person out in the workforce, I see that career counselling is used in a lot of different ways. And I tend to find that some people still think of it as something that you do when you leave school. So do you find that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a range of different places that you can work. So obviously school, university have careers services um, that do this kind of work. Um, uh, sporting teams um, often help, uh, you know, provide services to help sports people go into different careers once they've, um, you know, their sporting careers are finished. Other areas, such as sort of disability support, or those um, other kind of areas where people perhaps need a little more, a little more assistance to get into the workplace. Um, so there's a whole range of different areas. I think that there is still I guess a lack of awareness in the sort of professional space, if you like, that there are career counsellors that you can go to get, to get support. I think people are aware that they can find someone to, you know, write their resume for them or help them get a job or, you know, and recruiters obviously kind of help in that space too. But in terms of figuring out what you want, you know, everybody realises that, that that service is available.
1: What's the main demographic that you work with?
2: I call it mid-career professionals, so it's really those who've been in the workforce for at least 10 years, usually 15 plus. And what's usually happened is that they have kind of set out and, and achieved what they originally intended to, so they've become a, an engineer or a, a lawyer or an accountant or whatever it is that they set their sights on. Achieved that tick that one off and got an established career, but are now kind of wondering what direction to go in next because they might, you know, often are, are thinking that they don't want to continue on that traditional path that they've, they've followed so far.
1: Which can be really hard, can't it? Because by that time, it's not like you've just come out of school and you have all these opportunities open to you, you have established yourself, and to give that up and to completely shift direction. Is quite a big decision.
2: There's a number of things that really hold people back in that area, and I think it can be financial. Obviously, you can get used to a certain salary. Um, if you're looking at a career change, then you might be concerned that you're not going to get paid as much, and that that could be um, a major barrier. Not always the case. I, I'll, I'll add there. Um, there's the issue of identity and sort of having established an identity, and that's a really challenging one. Who've been uh, one for people who've been. Uh, particularly successful and kind of got a name for themselves in a particular area. If they're not enjoying it and they feel like they want to move away, that can be challenging. And simply just not knowing what they do want to do instead, I think is, you know, a major hurdle for a lot of people.
1: So if someone listening does feel unsure about where to next, what they want to do, where should they start?
2: I think what people tend to do is to start searching on Seek or Indeed and kind of going out there and looking for a new job and hoping that inspiration is going to hit them when they, you know, uncover the perfect thing that they hadn't realised that they have been missing out on. <laughs> I think that's not the best way of going about it. The best way of going about it is figuring out all those, the things I mentioned before. So, you know, going back to basics, you know, blank slate, you know, what you enjoy, what you're interested in, and putting all those different things together and defining what your ideal would be and then going and exploring that because otherwise it's like looking for a needle in a haystack. If you're just Mm. sort of randomly, um, you know, jumping around trying to, you know, desperately trying to find the thing that's going to fit, you're very unlikely to find it. And you're always going to be wondering, well, what if I miss something else? So going through a kind of structured, and this is what I do with my clients. I take them through a structured process to make sure that they do explore every possible option. But first of all, Thinking about what you enjoy and it's amazing how many people I've talked to where, you know, I've posed that simple question, what do you enjoy doing? And it's it's a bit of a light bulb moment because until then they've only thought about what they're good at or what they could do or what somebody would employ them to do, like what value they have in the marketplace rather than well, what they actually enjoy doing, what they want to do.
0: Well, thinking about the job as a whole, you know, you think about your job and you think, oh, well, this is what my job is. And it comes with all these different elements without actually saying this element of my job, I enjoy, this element of my job, I don't. And actually thinking maybe I can find a job that just has more of the stuff that I do like and less of what I don't.
2: Exactly, exactly. And thinking about the tasks that you do as well, it's sort of the area that people most often miss we often think about the interests. so you know you're interested in law okay well then obviously go be a lawyer or if you are interested in working with animals then the obvious choice is to go and be a vet but if you think through what tasks are actually involved in that job maybe those tasks aren't what you enjoy doing so thinking of the tasks separately to your kind of field of interest is really important And yeah, like you say, you know, maximize the tasks that you enjoy, minimize the ones that you don't. Yeah.
0: I heard it said a long time ago that there's this bit of a maxim that people have midlife crises for men that it often revolves around their work. And for women, it more often revolves around their personal relationships. So, you know, if, if you've got an issue in your midlife, a man's more likely to blame his job and a woman's more likely to, to perhaps blame her partner or something going on in her personal <laughs> life. Do you tend to find that it's more men who are willing to consider career counselling? Have you experienced a difference for, on a gender basis?
2: I actually work with a lot more women than men. And that's really interesting. I, hadn't, I haven't heard that, um, that idea before. So, no, I haven't experienced that. I mean, I don't work with people on their personal relationships, <laughs> obviously. You can't compare them. To them. <laughs> so no, I, don't. I would imagine that that comes into it though, right? That Absolutely. See, I don't work in that field, but it is quite interesting because a number of clients have come to me at a time when there have been changes in their relationship or, you know, separation and, you know, they're just sort of doing a whole life all overhaul and yes. career is one of those things they're doing amongst other things as well. So, yes, it it... It can be linked, but, um, yeah, I, I, I can't really say that I would observe there are differences between men and women and what they focus on. I think men are, it comes through very clearly that they're often, you know, the, the breadwinners and the sort of financial aspect is more important to them because they more often have the responsibility for the income for the family. Not always. I have women in that situation as well, but there is still that difference and men are more you know, often more willing to not necessarily focus on the kind of the fulfilment and the enjoyment and the meaning in job in in work. They want to get something that you know they can do well and they and
1: get paid for it. Yeah, and get
2: paid for it, but they still want to enjoy it. But it's slightly different emphasis, I guess, between those different things. Interesting, though. I could spend all day <laughs> probably talking about the different reasons for people. Going through the process and the, the, the different nuances, I actually work with a lot of women who don't have kids and who are very career focused and they want to progress. So very broad range.
1: Coming back to the women who do have children, often when we have children is a time when we reevaluate everything that we ever thought. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> tell I've just had a child, and reevaluating everything. But <laughs> yeah. That often includes people's careers, and we yeah. understand what happened with you. So yes, I had been unhappy
2: or dissatisfied in my work for some years before I had kids. And in part, the timing of having children for me was tied to how I was feeling about my work. I actually thought, well, I'm not really enjoying what I'm doing here. It had been good for a year or two. I wasn't really enjoying it at the time. You know, why not? You know, the the idea of of taking a year off (laughs) Mm. was quite appealing. I I was starting to have kids anyway, but just in terms of exactly the timing, that's, and I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it for that reason or not having killed it for that reason. But even with the timing, I think I went back to my work after having the first child and I went back part-time and it was wonderful and I were flexi- very flexible and supportive, but I was still going back to a job that I didn't enjoy and that wasn't an ideal scenario, especially because I wanted to work part-time. It was very hard then to change. So you didn't
0: find that having taken the year off gave you a new lease on your job?
2: no not that one it cemented the fact that that's not where I wanted to be the mental shift for me was you know a lot of people talk about how your priorities change and obviously they do to some degree but I actually felt like it was more a better way of describing it for me was the value of my time just went through the roof because I obviously with family and kids take up a lot of your time you have all, all these other commitments so the amount of time you can dedicate to your work is then reduced. Oh, I chose to work part-time. It's always a choice, I, I feel, but so the value of that time was so much greater. So the importance of how I spent that increased as well. So I thought, okay, well, like I've got two days a week and this is how I'm going to kind of express me and achieve what I want to achieve for me. This was sort of my thing. And it became very clear that that, wasn't it? I knew that before, but it kind of brought it to a head, and I thought, right now, I've got to make a change now because I'm just not happy with spending my time that way. Did you find someone like you to help you through that? I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. So I went to a career counsellor, went through a very similar process to what I offer now, and came out mm-hmm. deciding that this is what I wanted to do, and I wanted to be yeah. a counsellor. So it was kind of somewhat ironic. I, I had an <laughs> inkling when I went in. I was obviously interested in that type of work and fascinated by the process. And now when I look back, there were lots of clues going back uh, further. I had developed an interest in psychology and studied a bit of psychology on the side. So my day job was was actually in mining. I was a business analyst and you know, before that, geophysicist, a so very technical role. So huge shift. I mean, mm-hmm. I see the similarities in, in what I used to do and what I do now. But for most people, it seems completely unrelated and, and this sort of massive decision but yeah, so I went through a very similar process and kind of got to know myself very well and understand all my preferences and what was important to me, what I felt was valuable. And I think you know, obviously there's an element of what I feel is valuable work is something that really helped me. And so that's how I made the, the um, decision to do what I do now.
1: Some of the things we see a lot with women, particularly in relation to work, are issues with co- feeling confident enough, putting ourselves forward, imposter syndrome. Are these things that you see come up? And if they, I, I imagine that they are, I know they are, because we've spoken about them in the in the Facebook group. So what advice do you give to women who are dealing with these kinds of things?
2: It can happen to men as well, just to put that out there, because I have worked with a client, a couple who, who really feel that very strongly, male clients who feel that strongly as well. Um so what advice would I give? I think that confidence to me is like a, a just a fascinating thing. Kind sort of one of my pet subjects, I guess, from a, you know, psychology, interest, intellectual point of view. I think that confidence, is it's not a fixed thing. You know, no one is confident or not confident. We're confident doing certain things and we're not confident doing other things. And I think, you know, and I use the example of becoming a mother or parent as a classic one. I mean, I was not confident. I didn't know how to put on a nappy um, before I'd done it. You get very confident in doing it once you've done a hundred of them, probably less than that. And so this idea that we're confident because we're good at something or we we have a natural talent for something, I think is rubbish. I think we develop confidence when we do stuff. To build confidence, you just need to get out there and do it and think to yourself, well, oh, what's the worst that can happen? You know, it's probably going to be uncomfortable to put yourself out there to, to do something for the first time. But it is for everybody. And I think no one's kind of special in that regard. We all feel uncomfortable putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone but we just have to do it and push and once you've done it once and discover that the world didn't end then you can do it again and again I think the other thing I would say though is that you know in the context of promotions or going for a a new opportunity and kind of wondering whether you're confident uh, to do that or sorry qualified to do that I would say trust the people around you I mean if someone's going to offer you this opportunity then they think you're good enough to do it If the people around you are all saying, yes, you're absolutely capable of doing that, then believe them. Like, who are you to say that they're wrong? (laughs) I would say, listen, yeah, listen to the people around you if if they're saying that that you're absolutely good enough.
1: I think that's really good advice. And it's also how we develop and grow last week I had coffee with someone who is a very successful business lady and we were talking about these exact topics and she said to me she still lacks confidence in a lot of the things she does but she just forces herself to get out there and she said she's given opportunities and she feels like she's not qualified enough but she forces herself to get on with it and do it Mm -hmm. and it's exactly the point I mean no one else sees that everybody else sees your skills and your abilities they Mm -hmm. don't see oh she hasn't done this bit before or maybe she's not quite so qualified on this topic they just say wow look at you doing all these amazing things you must be really good at what you're doing
2: absolutely and I think it's no one's perfect I think it comes back to this you know perception that we have to be perfect and have to be brilliant at everything and be able to tick every single box before we apply for something no one fits all the criteria all the time we're all humans
0: thank god we are Um, (laughs) so We have a couple of questions that we always like to finish our interviews on. Mm -hmm. What words, I'm going to ask this one because Lucy's currently busy with Harry snuffling around in the background. What words do you live by? Do you have a mantra, Anna?
2: Not a mantra specifically, but I do have a question that I ask myself regularly and it's how do I want to feel? And the context of this is, you know, all those little decisions that we make through the day, little choices that we make. It might be what we do when we first wake up, or what we eat, or whether we go to bed at a reasonable time, or sit up and you know playing on our phones or watching Netflix. The little micro decisions that we make all through the day have a really huge impact on us, um, our sort of mental health or physical health, well-being, our relationships, all of those different things, and. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but it's really hard not to always, you know, uh, to make good choices all the time. And so I use that question. It's a really powerful question. I've been doing it for a few months now, and it really does help me kind of make better choices in the moment and go to bed that bit earlier so I'm a much more kind of productive and nicer person to be around the next day. etc. So yeah, so that's what I would say in that, in that sense.
0: I love that. I don't know if it was from a book that I'm reading at the moment, or if I must maybe read an article recently, but they talked about the fact that we all do things because we want to feel different to how we currently are. Like if we're happy with exactly how we are right now, we just keep doing what we're doing, but we do something different because we want to feel a different way. So for example, I think the example that they used a bit was social media. So they're saying that you want to get a a hit or something. So you'll pick up your phone and go to social media because you're looking for a way to feel different to how you currently are. Mm. Maybe it's because you're bogged down in some piece of work that you're doing or you're feeling like you aren't getting anywhere with that. So you go for a quick fix somewhere else. Maybe it's eating some chocolate maybe. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> when you say how do I want to feel, every time you've said that, I have thought, should I ask myself that every time I go for another yes. chocolate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The second question, Anna, that we like to ask of all our guests is if for your one piece of advice that you would give to women who are managing the juggle? Maybe if there's a couple of steps that someone could take. You know, if they think that they're a bit stuck and
0: they're wanting to maybe think about a career counsellor, but they're not quite there yet, is there something that they could
2: do at home on their own? My best piece of advice isn't really career related, I think. I thought about this for a while and there are lots of different things, lots of little pieces of advice to give.
1: But... We'll let you have two. Yeah. You can have a... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and a. And another piece of advice. All right, brilliant. Okay. Um, so, my
2: non career related uh, piece of advice is um, find or build your own village. So, you know, the idea of it you're taking a village to raise a child, I think it takes a village to raise a child, but also to support a working family or, or, or otherwise. And I've been incredibly fortunate to find my group of mums from school who are have become wonderful friends and also, you know, we all pitch in and really help each other out and, I mean, a lot. Yeah. So I mentioned just before we started this interview that today my kids are with one of these friends, being the first day of school holidays and they've gone off to SciTech and I've got a full day of work plans and I wouldn't be able to continue my business and continue working or be here to talk to you today if it wasn't for her. And she's actually a school teacher, so she has lots of flexibility through the holidays, but she actually finds it difficult to get to school during term time to actually pick up her kids because she works at a different school. So there's so many different opportunities to help each other out, and several of the mums work full time, and they literally wouldn't be able to if it wasn't for this group of women all kind of pitching in and helping each other out. So that, by far, I think, the most kind of valuable thing that I've found to to help to help me juggle. In terms of advice for people who might be stuck in their careers, well again, like I've got lots of advice, but I think the main thing would be to think about what you actually enjoy, what you want to get out of your work. Don't just follow the path you're on because it's what's expected of you, it's what people normally do or whatever. Start asking yourself the questions um what's important to you what do you want and not necessarily listening to the people around you who are telling you what they think is best for you All well-intentioned um usually but but think for yourself and start thinking about what you want what you enjoy and not necessarily what's expected of you and seek help you know there are people like me out there people around you are often thinking about what you're good at oh you're so good at this so you should do
0: that and it's not necessarily what you enjoy so I think that's a really great piece of advice to to
2: finish exactly often they're right often you would be really great at probably a dozen different things doesn't mean it's the best thing for you or it's something that that you would enjoy Mm.
1: Mm.
0: thank you thanks for giving us your time this morning on the first day of school holidays oh you're welcome
1: (laughs) it's been a lot of fun You can get in touch with Anna and have a look at the information that she has available on her website, which is strategiccc.com.au. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Anna.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much for listening. That's all from us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go and give us a rating on your podcast app. I was having a look at them the other day. We've got quite a lot on there and it's so lovely to read everybody's feedback on there, especially in the public forum. So if you enjoy the podcast, please do go and give us a rating and a review.
0: And if you want to continue the conversation with us, then come and join us on Facebook at The Juggle Community. You can find the links to join the Facebook community and also links to listen to the podcast all on our website which is www.thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling.